1: This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The Mabna Institute was pretty good at phishing. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg sends regrets to Westminster... Facebook is under FTC investigation. Cambridge Analytica is in hot water with the FEC. Kaspersky says outing Slingshot was just part of the job. The city of Atlanta is finding it surprisingly hard to recover from SamSam Sam ransomware. Adhar may be leaky again. but says Lord Haw More than 20 countries expel Russian diplomats, and a Russian cyber reprisal is expected. The Cyberwire Studios at Data Tribe. I'm Dave Bittner with your Cyberwire summary for Tuesday, March 27, 2018. Those Iranians, the U.S. indicted last week for a variety of cyber crimes, were apparently pretty good at phishing. They got their university victims to swallow fish bait constructed to resemble an anodyne but worrisome message from their university library. Your account has expired, the message said, and you need to reactivate it. The message changed little over the four years of the campaign. Why tinker with success? It was working nicely. Thank you very much. Troubles for Facebook and Cambridge Analytica continue amid a growing awareness of the activities of data brokers, firms that collect, aggregate, and sell data about those of us who use the Internet. Facebook CEO Zuckerberg has declined a request that he appear before the UK's Parliament to explain what his company has been about. Instead, he will send what sections of the British press describe as underlings to do the explaining. Yesterday, the Federal Trade Commission confirmed what had been widely reported last week. It's investigating Facebook for possible misuse of users' data. The advocacy group Common Cause has filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission alleging that Cambridge Analytica, its corporate parent SCL Group Limited, and several named individuals, including whistleblower Christopher Wiley, with violations of federal election laws that prohibit foreigners from participating in U.S. political campaigns. Kaspersky defends its decision to blow the anti-ISIS slingshot cyber campaign. It's their job to, quote, take the fish from the water, end quote. They don't care what language said fish speaks, they have to catch it. Critics say the report on slingshot not only compromised a useful U.S. Joint Special Operations Command collection effort against ISIS terrorist cells, but it may also have put lives at risk. Atlanta's SamSam ransomware infestation seems unusually resistant to remediation. Estimates now suggest it will take the city months to recover, but Atlanta's city mothers and fathers are being tight-lipped about the details. The criminals have taken down their contact portal, as they've received increased scrutiny, and gotten tired, evidently, of answering questions. Assurances by responsible authorities to the contrary, India's Athar National Identification Database may have been compromised again. ZDNet reports that security researchers are telling the news service that the database is leaking personal information. The ruling Janata Party calls such reports fake news, but ZDNet and others say no, there's really still a problem here. British Defense Secretary Gavin Williamson calls Russian bots the Lord Ha-Haws of the 21st century. He's alluding to William Joyce, the British traitor who broadcast for Nazi Germany during the Second World War. Joyce was captured soon after VE Day and hanged for treason in 1946. If Secretary Williamson is right, then, okay, Lord ha Haw had about the same level of influence in Britain that Tokyo Rose had in the U.S., But in other respects, the comparison may be wayward. Lord Haw-Haw always began his broadcasts by saying,
2: Germany calling, Germany calling, Germany calling.
1: The Russian trolls are less overt. But Williamson's shot may have hit home anyway. Russia Today is outraged by the comparison. Security firm Cyber Edge Group recently published the fifth edition of their annual Cyber Threat Defense Report, setting out to take a vendor-agnostic look at cybersecurity challenges. Steve Piper is CEO and co-founder of CyberEdge Group, and he joins us with the highlights.
2: This was a web-based survey uh, conducted in November 2017, a 27-question survey to be specific. And we surveyed 1,200 security professionals, and each security professional worked for an organization with a minimum of 500 employees. But we have respondents from smaller organizations like that up to multinational Fortune 100 enterprises and everything in between. These respondents came from 17 countries and 19 industries. So it's very much a a geographically dispersed
1: survey. Take us through some of the key findings of the report.
2: Let me give you the top three takeaways from this year. And again, this is our fifth annual uh, report. I'm going to start out with some good news. I'm an optimistic guy, glasses half full type of guy. So um, the the good news that I want to share is for the first time in our report history, we saw a decline in successful cyber attacks. So we asked, you know, the respondents, was your organization, uh, you know, successfully attacked by a cyber threat last year? And last year, 79.2 percent said yes. This year that dropped two points to 77.2 percent. The last four years, it's risen every year. So I know a 2% drop, I'm not uh, dancing in the streets, but a drop is better than an increase. So I'm gonna take what I can get. Ransomware obviously is still very much in the news. And what we learned is only half of those ransomware victims that, that actually paid the ransom, only half of them got their data back, got it unencrypted. So that's kind of a discouraging uh, statistic. Hmm. Overall, 55% uh, of organizations that participated in our survey were victimized by ransomware last year. So it's kind of like flipping a coin twice. Flip a coin once to see if you're likely to be victimized by ransomware. And then if you decide to pay the ransom, pony up the bucks for some Bitcoin, well, then flip the coin again to see if you're likely to get your data back. And then the third takeaway from this year's study is the growing concern, the shortage of skilled IT security personnel. Hmm. This has been a problem for years. Uh, Each year we ask a question, this is my favorite question from the survey, on a scale of one to five, with five being highest, rate how each of the following inhibit your organization from adequately defending itself. So in other words, what's standing in the way? of cybersecurity professionals succeeding and defending their networks from attacks. Well, the number one response for the past few years has been low security awareness among employees, lack of investment in the human human firewall, as I put it. But this year, for the first time, we have a, uh, a new inhibitor, lack of skilled personnel. Uh, and so this is on a lot of organizations' minds. When we asked this this question five years ago, lack of skilled personnel was in fifth place then the next year in fourth place, then third, then second, and this year in first. So it's a growing problem affecting all uh, organizations.
1: That's Steve Piper from Cyber Edge. You can find their 2018 Cyber Threat Defense Report on their website. The British anti-doping organization sustained a cyber attack over the weekend, and suspicion turns to Fancy Bear. That is, if you're just joining us, of course, Russia's GRU. UK anti-doping confirmed yesterday that it had stopped an attack by unknown hackers over the weekend. The attackers were evidently after test and personal information about athletes. While Fancy Bear is the animal of interest in this matter, this seems probably to be just Fancy's normal business, another manifestation of Russia's long-standing grudge against clean athletes, rather than its blowback for Her Majesty's government ongoing work to rally the civilized world against the Salisbury incident. Such blowback is widely expected. Twenty-two countries have now taken action against Russia in solidarity with the UK over the nerve agent attack in Salisbury. 182 Russian nationals are affected, most of them diplomats declared persona non grata. Lithuania is the outlier here. In addition to expelling diplomats, they told 21 other Russian nationals to get out and banned a further 23 from entering the country. The 60 the U.S. has told to leave include 48 from the Russian embassy in Washington and 18 from Russia's U.N. delegation in New York. The U.S. says they're all engaged in espionage. Washington has also ordered the Russian consulate in Seattle closed. Officials describe that closure as based on Seattle's proximity to the major U.S. Navy submarine base on the Kitsap Peninsula and the big Boeing facilities around Puget Sound. This is the second consulate the U.S. has ordered shuttered in less than a year. In August, the administration told Russia to close its San Francisco consulate. That move was in response to Russia's order that the U.S. cut its own diplomatic staff in Russia. As is being widely noted, Russian retaliation in the form of a cyber attack is generally expected. Attacks on electrical power grids are particular matters of concern. But for now, Russia's response is likely to be a tit-for-tat expulsion of diplomats. Moscow is crowdsourcing its response, asking people to recommend which consulates and missions they should shut down. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. CyberWire Daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's v-a-n-t-a dot com cyber. And joining me once again is Justin Harvey. He's the global incident response leader at Accenture. Justin, welcome back. Um, obviously, uh, hot in the news these days is cryptocurrency mining, um, and you wanted to make uh, the point that um, this is a big deal and it's something we need to take seriously.
0: Yes, from a cyber defense perspective, this is a new type of threat. Well, I guess it's it's not a new type of threat. Where it, it, it's still uh, there are still cryptocurrency mining malware. Uh, variants that we're seeing out there—they're not doing anything new. What we're seeing is the the usage of or the end goal of this cryptocurrency uh, mining malware is is what's startling, uh, and that is with the proliferation of cryptocurrency. It's it seems like it's a gold rush. There are there are multiple types of cryptocurrencies out there. There's Bitcoin. There's Ethereum. There is Monero, and everyone wants to cash in on this. What you're finding, though, is that for the average home user or the hobbyist or the person who feels like, oh, I'm going to devote my computing power to this, my two or three machines, is that it is not enough because the cryptographic algorithms are getting harder and harder to crunch. So you need more and more CPU and more power. Mm -hmm. The more enterprising people are thinking, "Okay, well, I could get that CPU power in order to essentially print my cryptocurrency, I could go to the cloud, I could go to uh, um, rent servers. But what's happening is that still requires electricity and, and hardware costs. So it's really being transitioned to cyber criminals who are thinking, well, let's see, we have malware, we have the means to distribute it, and we have uh, the total addressable market is every machine out there. So let's write malware, get it on the people's machines and start to, um, without their knowledge, let's start mining this this cryptocurrency. And that way they're able to get the scale and to to get the money they need without uh, actually paying for any of the CPU or for the electricity.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think you and I have talked about this before, you know, from an IoT point of view, when we were talking about DDoS with things like uh, video cameras, you know, using excess uh, computing power and something like a connected video camera. Um, I I suppose some people could say, well, if my video camera is still doing its video camera job, why should I care if uh, it's using its extra processor cycles to mine Bitcoin for someone? It's still doing what I need it to do.
0: Great point. And in fact, uh, we were just part of a large-scale investigation where there was a cryptocurrency mining malware that was also self-propagating, meaning it would infect its neighbors. And on top of that, it was fileless and PowerShell-based. So it was very... Hmm is very difficult to detect and, and to stop. The reason why everyone should be concerned is that uh, for two reasons. Number one is it's taking CPU and power away from the device and therefore away from you. So if in, in your example, your uh, camera is still doing its work, it's still driving up the CPU and the fan and causing you more money. And there's also a possibility that Due to the CPU limitations of that IoT device or your laptop or your notebook or your server, for instance, uh, it could actually be denying you services or denying you service by not allowing you to complete things on time or even completing them at all because your CPU is 100% busy. Mm. Uh, The second reason that people should uh, pay notice to this is that you have to wonder how it actually got on there. Mm. And what cyber criminals are doing here is that they are uh, essentially sourcing a uh, their total addressable market by looking at Shodan. Shodan gives them a list of millions of IP addresses and services that are available out there. They're writing their own code to go scan all those IP addresses and looks for vulnerabilities. And then they're they're implanting uh, instead of malware to spy on you or malware to steal data. They're essentially putting in their cryptocurrency mining. So. Um, As I always say, where there's smoke, there's fire, which Mm. means if your organization is cryptocurrency mining, you might not think it's a big deal, but it is a big deal because they're stealing from you, your CPU and your power, and there's a way it got in there. So maybe if cryptocurrency mining cyber criminals can find that hole, maybe other adversaries can find that hole or they found it already.
1: Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Thank you.